This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. And welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers, and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips, and my co-pilot on this journey of discovery into the world of well-known people is Jim Daly. The world of well-known people? Yeah, that sounds like wow. a Channel 5 show, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like a sketch. What was that What was that old impre- Stella Street? Remember Stella Street? Oh, yeah, with um, It John sounds Sessions. a bit like that. Yeah, they filmed that in Seaford. Really? Yeah. So there's, you know, doing... do you remember that? Do you remember there was Michael Caine ran a, like? I was a... going to say that, and yeah, he's yeah. out looking out the window. Yeah, yeah. Neighbor. That's uh, the Tuck Inn. That was, which was yeah. like a greasy wow. spoon. Uh, it's no longer there, unfortunately. But yeah, so he used to do like fry ups, and <laughs> and then they used to, all the Al Pacino bits were all down on Seaford Beach. So yeah. wow, I never knew. Yeah, there you go, Stella That's, Street. There you go. Work of genius, some would say. I would say. Mm. I would definitely say. Um, anyway, yes. Hello and welcome to this week's pod. How, I'm I'm feeling good. It's a lovely sunny day here in Bucks. What's it like down on the coast? Same, same. It feels like spring has come back. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? It, mm. it just like it just lifts the mood. It does. It really does, actually, because it's been yeah a bit soggy. Yeah, soggy. Do you know what? Without trying to lower the mood too much, soggy I think is actually quite a good adjective for the weather and also my mood during mm. winter. And like, I definitely get SAD, and I actually think soggy is a perfect way of actually describing sort of how you feel some days. Mm. Um, so I definitely need a bit more sunshine in my life, um, and it's nice that it's just makes you just lifts you, makes you feel a bit more like a bit more enthused about the world a bit more excited just a bit of that i might like i was actually thinking of everyone else is going out my family now while we're recording this i might go for a walk in a minute yeah well i'm gonna do that too a bit of sunshine yeah i'm gonna walk to the library 
do a bit of work. I'm just gonna. I can't. We live too far out of town for me to walk in the library. It'd take me about an hour, but um, I'm gonna walk just up and down my road, nice. listen to a podcast. Yeah, soak up the sun. So wherever you're listening today, listeners, um, hope you got a bit of sunshine, and if you can get out and enjoy a bit of the sun, then hope you're able to do that. So Soggy's got different connotations to me because there was a guy in my football team at school who was called Matthew Sutherland, and uh, his nickname was Soggy for some reason. I'd never, I don't know what the Soggy came from. I, I have no idea. I'd have to, I'd have to talk to those closer to him. But he was decent. He was pretty decent. He was pretty decent on the ball. Comfortable on the ball. Quite intelligent footballer. Not athletic necessarily, but uh, yeah, Soggy. I'm not sure I want to know. No, I don't actually thinking about it. Maybe we'll just leave it like that. Leave it at that. <laughs> what was your nickname? Have we spoke, we've, we've talked about I didn't have one, mate. I didn't have one. I think at college I started getting called like G, but that, I mean, it sounds like I'm a fucking gangster rapper Rapper. or something. Uh, (laughs) G dog. (laughs) Have I told you about my one? I must have told you about my nickname at college. Go on. Trilby. Oh, I don't remember this. No? No. uh, It's not a particularly great backstory. It's because I once wore a hat. (laughs) It's a classic British kind of nickname, isn't it? Yeah. He once, once, literally once did something. And so then you just become. I literally once wore a hat. Yeah. And then it stuck. And when I say it stuck, I mean the nickname stuck, the hat didn't stick, thankfully. But um, everyone started calling me Trilby. And that nickname I had for about a decade. Oh, mate. And it seeped into everything. I didn't mind it. I quite liked it. But it seeped into everything. Football world, online world, all friend circles. It's not a bad one. It's a really strong one. You can get, get, obviously, get far worse ones. Um, I mean, I didn't realise it's also a lady, can be a lady's name, Trilby. I found out many years later. But I have to admit, no one, a lot of my friends are quite progressive. No one used it in the sort of derogatory kind of way. It was just uh, Trilby, Trilby, Trilbs. And actually, some of my friends from, from sort of back in, hometown slash those football circles still call me if I'm sort of popping that WhatsApp group. All right, Trilby, sorry, Trilby. And, and, and it throws me a bit because I yeah. haven't really been called that for at least a decade. So, well, it's so just, it's, uh, what, what funny, were you really. trying to do? Were you trying to look like Pete Doherty or something? <laughs> no. So actually, it actually involves Crystal Palace. Okay. And this is the earliest I think I've involved for Palace chat in the pod. Um, do you remember this? Sorry, this is very niche and we will get on to our guest in a minute. Mm. Um, when Palace played Liverpool in the 2001 League Cup semi-final. Yes, I did. I was there. 2-1 at... Really? There. Oh, well, first leg, beat them 2-1 at Selhurst. Yeah. Uh, Morrison and Forsell scored. and uh, No, sorry, Rubens and Morrison scored. Rubens' goal was an absolute belter. Palace at the time were terrible. So it was a big... That is a, yeah, one of yeah. my most memorable games. Big result. Second leg, went to Anfield. Jamie McAnuff, wasn't it? And no, no. Julian Gray. That was a year later. Second half oh. went, to, went to, believe me, the palace, the result is seeped into the story. Okay. Um, went, and on the message boards at the time, the rumour was because in the 70s when Palace had a cup run, everyone, because of Malcolm Allison, everyone of wore course. fancy hats and everyone wore fedoras. And so they were like, everyone going to wear fancy hats. So I just grabbed from at home an old fedora slash trilby, like a trilby, mm. um, wore it and other mates more like um, Mexican hats or whatever and stuff. Took a little minibus of about a dozen of us got to Anfield, got out the minibus, got in the away end. No one else is wearing hats. <laughs> but just the 12 of us wearing these stupid hats for no reason. We get, we then, the game kicked off and Palace got pumped 5-0. We were 3-0 down inside about 15 minutes. Yeah. Gary McAllister had one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. He yeah. just 
we were terrible. So anyway, obviously, any dreams of getting to the final were, were absolutely demolished very early. In. I remember. But for some reason, in that kind of black humour, morose football thing, wait, we just embraced wearing the hats and we started doing silly songs about them and stuff. And on the way home, we were like, having a few drinks and I became Trilby. Trilby Boy. Oh, Trilby Boy, Trilby. And it just, just stuck. it stuck yeah. from there. So there you yeah. go. Quite an innocent nickname yeah, story, really. But bands. I don't mind it. Yeah. But it was linked to Palestine rubbish, which is quite standard for us. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Shall we move on to, well, first of all, any listeners that have got funny nickname stories, tweet us in. Let yes. Us know. I want to hear people's nicknames. I'd love to hear those. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think we should move on to this week's guest, who is, I would say, Giles, one of the, I thought she would be, but probably one of the nicest guests I think we've had. Yeah. So down to earth and lovely. And I mean, obviously, we talked a bit about that you know, during her uh, sort of rise into, into doing acting and stuff, she did a lot of work in, you know, community kind of work and working in schools, working with um, social services, things like that, where she really kind of got to see how humans tick. You know, she I, I guess she was saying now that it, it kind of informed her creativity quite a lot, but also, you know, she saying that it was like a really amazing time in her life because she got to do all these you know got to work with amazing people and and learn about the the way humanity works really yeah absolutely and i think actually in, in any performing arts that's it's you are channeling stories mm. and you are connecting with audiences and people so i think actually anything that sort of gets you helps you give you a better understanding of the way people work and clearly she's someone it's lucy lucy beaumont by the way uh, clearly she's someone who is interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, a very, you could tell straight away, very compassionate person, very nice, interested in people, interested in helping people. And uh, I think that not only comes across in her comedy and performing, but it did in the chat today. Someone mm. that clearly just cares about, cares about people and wants to have that connection. And I think actually that really pays off in the performing arts. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think great actors are probably very great empaths as well because they're yeah. able to, yeah, be compassionate and empathetic towards their subjects, you know, or the people they're playing or portraying. Um, and I think, like, obviously, Lucy is very empathetic and and has done lots of work where where you need those skill sets. Definitely, and I mean, there's a lot of a lot of chat in this episode is about growing up. She's got a really fascinating story about where she was born and that, and and then talking a lot about her mum, uh, grandparents. There's a real family theme to this episode which i love and we've spoken before about how much family is important to me and things to both of us so uh yeah just a really lovely episode fascinating person um and her tour kicks off in october and there's links in the show notes now to uh for more information on that so if she's coming to a town near you do go and see her tour because i'm sure it's gonna be absolutely brilliant yeah the trouble and strife it's called and yeah it's her, her first first big tour i think she said so that's really exciting must be really exciting to be going out on your first big tour and obviously on yeah the back and of I... some great tv shows that she's been doing with her husband john richardson who a lot of people will have heard of and know from his stand-up and um doing like eight out of ten cats cats down and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's really great that she's um going down there another brilliant female comedian yeah, she talks before about some of, some of those influences that she found and, and and coming to it late as well. You know, some chat about that. And um, yeah, just a great episode. I think we should, I think we should get into it, really. Stop teasing people with we should, really. uh, stories about my silly nickname. And I think uh, crack on with this episode. She's absolutely lovely. And this is there's some really, really, really lovely, tender 
bits in this episode, so I think it's got something for everyone. Uh, this is the fantastic Lucy Beaumont on the Blank Podcast. Well, I'm in my I'm in my daughter's bedroom, hence the uh, hence the rainbow. Well, you keep saying um, that. Jim. I did wonder if it was you that like rainbows. Mm. Or, or I have to admit, else. if yeah. it was up to me, we would have rainbows. I think in our in our main bedroom, but I think I would get overruled. Um, can't really oh, imagine a time where rainbows aren't a good idea. I think rainbows are are great anywhere, but um, I do spiritually. I, know, I sort of find I myself getting drawn to this room you want to be there yeah i want to be huddled in a corner in judge <laughs> <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> right <clears throat> excuse me i'm going to clear my throat it's always a good i think it's always a good start to the podcast if you can clear your throat yeah um lucy yeah. lucy bowman it's lovely to have you on the podcast thank you so much for being with us um i hope you're keeping well I think so. I think so. I'm reading that book, How Not to Die. Oh, okay. How how not to yeah, die? So and I think is there a good way to how die? How not then? to die, yeah. It should also be called How to Spend a Long Time on the Toilet, because it, it just basically in a nutshell tells you to eat loads of fruit and vegetables. But I think that there is a limit, you know, to how many you can have. Well, I think too much of anything's like not good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, but it is a good book. But it just, um, yeah, it just, it just, you, you, you're on the toilet a lot, really. Have you just basically saved me eleven quid? Or have much? Yeah, just basically, just eat. You should eat more vegetables. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, like, load, like absolutely loads. It's telling me to eat like loads. <laughs> and I, this, I mean, I want to. I was going to say break this down, but um, that might not be the best terminology for this. But uh, what kind of status does the vegetables need to be? Do they? Because obviously, like cooking them destroys some of the nutrients. Is it just raw vegetables? Well, it. it do you, well, cooking some vegetables actually apparently is better than than having them raw. Oh, you can right. absorb. It's about how, it's about how much you can your body can absorb. So it, it says that boil. I mean, <laughs> and it, I suppose it's not really for this. This is sort of turned into a different podcast, really. Hasn't Sorry, it? We, we always go sorry on. About that. <laughs> no, no, it, we, it's always good to go on tangents. We do that a lot. Yeah, it's just weird me talking about things like this because I don't really know anything. <laughs> but it does to like, I don't know, but it says like cooking carrots, like boiling a carrot actually helps you absorb more of the nutrients than if you were to have the carrot raw, oh, that seems which m- is news to me. It seems mad. It seems like a mad thing that like you'd actually, you'd boil this thing and you'd think that would draw out all the nutrients. You'd be like killing them somehow. Yeah. Yeah, no, apparently that's better, but yeah, it's a good book, but it just, um, yeah, it, you can have too much fibre, I think. Sorry to linger on the book, and we, we will move on, I promise, and um, this isn't a um, a nutrition podcast. Actually, last week's episode was, because we had a nutritionist on, actually, so maybe I'm just still in there. Oh, yeah, you? we did. It yeah. was amazing. She was amazing. It was so, it was so, so useful. Um, is there a rank of vegetables? 
Do they, is there are they like good? Is there like a one? Is there like a Premier League vegetable and like a League Two vegetable? Yeah, yeah. There were certain ones that it says you need to eat every day. Yeah. So like, yeah, like spinach, broccoli, and then garlic, turmeric. Meant to have a, a teaspoon of turmeric every day. Yeah. Even, just even the powder. Yeah. There were certain like yeah. There was like a cl- classy vegetables. <laughs> and some, not so much. There's your yeah. your har- your harrods of vegetables, and then your yeah yeah your Aldi, I guess sexy veg, sexy veg, not so yeah. sexy veg. Yeah. 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 Well, this is this is a good start, I think. Um, so Lucy, you, I know you were born in Cornwall, but you grew up in Hull. Um, tell us a bit about for the day in Cornwall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mum had me on a, on holiday by accident. Yeah, on a camping trip. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Oh my word. Yeah, I came back in a cardboard box. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> like your orders on Amazon. Yeah, apparently it was like in the shape of a cradle. It said, thank goodness for fresh eggs on the side. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my granny like made it all nice. She padded it out. I mean, he's mad how different the 80s was. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that long ago, really, was it? And you could you could take a newborn baby home in a car, in a box, and no one said anything. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah, wow. yeah, so just there, yeah. It was, she did have me by accident, yeah. So do, do, you, do you have a, do, weirdly, do you have any sort of affinity to Cornwall then? But obviously, you know, you were literally there a day, or... Or not? It's just circumstances. Yeah, I don't like the people. <laughs> My infinity. I fall into this trap all the time of like, oh, Cornwall, and you are getting into conversations with pe- people. Don't you? Like, oh, it's like a spiritual, spiritual home, and then you go, and everyone is so rude. It's so <laughs> they true. Just don't like people. They yeah. know it's nice and they don't want you there. Yeah. I've never yeah. been never been in such a hostile environment. It's the problem is they're all, yeah, the they're always trying to put you in a box yeah. as well. They're it's, Russia. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, they're absolutely horrible. And I don't blame them. It's all, they're tricking it because they do want your money, but they just don't want you. If you could just send the money to them, they'd be like, every shop you go in, every pub, every... <laughs> <laughs> they hate us. They absolutely hate us. They hate us more than Northern Ireland. Wow. I was going to say France. It sounds very much like France as well. Similar sort of similar sort of vibe. France, yeah. But at least they can't speak the same language. You can't tell if it's a language barrier or, or if they don't like you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it's a, oh, goodness. My cat has just jumped up. Look, what, what's he doing? You never do that normally. Oh. Goodness oh, me, did what's it the, him... the voice and wanted to see? Who in the air is that woman <laughs> lagging off the Cornish? <laughs> he wants to get involved. But I'm allowed has... to say that because I am Cornish, you see. So yeah. I'm allowed to say they're all horrible. Do you, do you, have you been into a situation where you've had to pull that card out, though? Where you've had to say, well, actually, I'm from around here. Well, I hoped know? one day, I would hope that eventually they'd stop letting everyone buy up you know properties in Cornwall and maybe say only if you're from Cornwall yes. you know if you've got if you it's on your birth certificate I mean they do need to do something I mean it's a, it's a, such a shame isn't it when people from the area can't afford to live and work there it's awful but I was hoping that I could pull that one out yeah pull my birth certificate out <laughs> yeah. and buy somewhere but we, we're not going to buy somewhere because they're too rude so 
<laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's the support, isn't it? You'd have to live there with all the, yeah. the rude people. So. And I can say this because I'm not gigging down in Cornwall, so I'm not trying to sell any tickets. So. <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to ask, is it like a homecoming gig when you gig down there? You'd think so, wouldn't you? But they just can't understand the accent. <laughs> I'm being mean. I've, done, I've got nothing wrong with Cornish people. I, I'm in support of real Cornish people. I think all the Londoners should get out. Yeah, now. I think. Yeah, I think <laughs> leave, there is... to, leave the nice beaches to the Cornish. I, I completely agree. And isn't there a language? There is a Cornish language, isn't there? Is there? Isn't there? I don't. Maybe I've made that up. I think there is. Probably. Well, I think like all areas, there's there's a dialect. Well, obviously there is a dialect, but there is a, you know, you go to any kind of area, there's a, a kind of string of words and sentences and and phrases and all sorts of things that is very very unique to that particular place. So what's yeah. the seafood? What's the seafood phrases? We drop our T's down here in Sussex, so it's all little and oh. kettle. I can't think of any other words with T's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of dropping of T's. Yeah, a bit kind of, um, yeah, it kind of goes into a bit of a, oh, you'd think it'd be quite posh, but it's not. It's a bit kind of like towny, I suppose. Have I told you that my my daughter, she's three and a half, has started dropping her T's as well? Oh. And my wife is livid because my <laughs> wife is a, is a trained actor. So I've had like, you know, elocution lessons and stuff and like really wants to like, Talk properly. Talk proper. And it's clearly, it's clearly come from me. Like, it's clear, there's, there's no, it's like, it's clearly come from me. I can't get away from that. And every time my daughter does it, I correct her. But secretly inside, I'm really proud of her. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really proud. Um, but yeah, so that's my, that's my one influence that I've got on my, uh, on my child so far. One of, oh, one well of. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Try my hardest. That's all, that's she all gets I got. The off you does she yeah <laughs> she gets the rainbows and the bad speech that's uh, <laughs> that's the gym influence so let's go back to obviously growing up in Hull because that's where you're from um and I guess you're you know you're more Hull than Cornwall um was kind of performing and you know doing drama and stuff was that always something that you kind of thought you'd get into later on in life yeah, yeah, from like, yeah, be, from first sort of playing, you know, like four and five, like imaginary playing, putting on shows and um, sort of feeling comfortable in my own imagination, really, you know, because I was an only child. So I did, I did sort of play a lot on my own. But yeah, it was always there and from like a really creative family, really, you know, my mum, um, my mum sort of taught, self taught us to be a writer sort of she was sort of struggling for work for for a lot of years and um sort of went on an amazing uh like um a women's writing course really in Hull and this sort of amazing sort of um lady who was a local poet and playwright and um yeah and really got the bug and started doing pub theatre and so she was really sort of developing that and finding her voice when I was about sort of seven or eight um so sort of grew up watching pub theatre and then she she got you know she had a few plays on at Hull Truck and then went to Edinburgh Festival and um yeah so I grew up and my granny and granddad they were art teachers my granny did textiles and um yeah and yeah so it was 
it was quite felt like quite a creative place you know it was normal on a weekend at my granny and granddad's for everyone to be sketching you know sat sort of in their own oh, world sketching cool. and my granny would be on a sewing machine and yeah it was lovely it was really nice so it's all I've ever known really not I'm not, not quite a Nepo baby but <laughs> it's in the blood you know it just feels normal to be creative it feels like an extension of yourself you know I think that's really nice. I think certainly like creating an environment for kids growing up where they can feel, yeah, like it's normal to be creative and like that to be encouraged. I think that's really nice because we talk about this on the pod quite a lot, but like that creativity, I think every kid has it. And then for a lot of people, it just sort of gets knocked out of them or that creative spark disappears or it's not encouraged. But actually, it's really nice, I think, to be in an environment where kids can play because that can lead to careers in the arts, you know, and creative industries. And I think that's, it's nice to create that. Yeah. That creative environment. Oh yeah. It's, it's just, it's criminal that it's not, <laughs> it's not done more in schools. Yeah. It's because it's, I think it's contributing to massive mental health problems that there's not enough money pumped into it, you know, um, cuz you know if you if you put on a big production at school you don't have to be in it there's all the other sides of it isn't there that you can be involved in it's it's about working so it just lifts lifts kids they never forget it you know I've taught used to teach youth theatre my mum taught youth theatre I, I did I did some some of that with my mum as well and um yeah it, it changes lives just like one one experience it's massively important and we've got a, we've we've now got we need to fill content. That's the thing. The the film industry and the gaming industry and like I said, podcasts and making apps, it requires massive creative thinkers. And yeah. they're they're not they're not they're not necessarily you know, obviously they're there, but they could be there, you know, en masse, really. It's just not seen as as a it's never has been, has it? It's never been seen as as um as a really sort of decent career I don't think it's seen as almost like a privileged thing but shouldn't be like that it's just mostly privileged kids can afford to to go into it you know we're not we're not sort of getting the working class kids they are sort of tending out to 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 choose non-creative jobs yeah so yeah and they're they're the most creative out, out, out of the two I think to be honest really yeah yeah so true and like you say from a, like a governmental kind of, I mean, obviously we've got an awful government at the moment, but it's so short-sighted because not only does it contribute so much to the economy, but like you say, the the other effects of creativity on, like say, mental health and people's well-being and just, you know, like my son decided to do drama, um, not that he's particularly into performing or anything, but just because he wanted to boost his own confidence, he realised that his, oh, you know, he 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 found yeah. social situations difficult, and he felt that doing drama would allow him to get some skills, you know, have a, a new skill set. So things like that that you know we kind of take for granted sometimes with with you know performing arts and create creative fields that actually you know it can really change your life in lots of different ways. Well, yeah, and mostly makes you left wing. Any right wing actors, do you? No. Well, I not, can think of one. Not, not I can think of one very prominent one, but he won't be invited on this podcast. So. <laughs> There's not many, though. No. Generally makes you a humanitarian left wing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Oh, well. 
I uh, Charles, I googled the word governmental then because I wasn't sure it was a real word. It's a real word, is it? Well, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, it actually sounds like the title to sort of an Edinburgh show, Govern- governmental, but uh, yeah, govern well, you'd have to put a hyphen in it, governmental, governmental, I think, yeah. be a political, political show, yeah. Um, but it is a real word. Um, so Lucy, so I'm intrigued by sort of your mum finding the create. Did she find that kind of creative stuff later in life thing? Because I think that's a really nice... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, governmental. <laughs> it's a really nice indication, I guess, for a young person that, like, nothing's forever. You can change. You can do something, you know, you can do something different in life if that, yeah. if that thing finds you later on. Yeah, yeah. My mum um, works... Um, my mum was at... Before I think I get this right. Before before I was far or she'd met she met my dad and then they worked at um my dad was uh my dad worked in editing for BBC in London and he got my mum a job as a set designer. Um I'm trying to get the right I don't I, the the timeline of it. But basically she she had me and they they split up. And I had, I sort of stayed with my granny and granddad till I was sort of ready to start school. And my mum worked in London. And I think that between the two of them, my granny and granddad and my mum, they, they worked out it probably wasn't a good thing. <laughs> my mum being so far away from me. Um, so she was, uh, she came back to Hull and she just had no job. She couldn't, you know, that's that was her only job she'd had. Um, you know, doing set design. She worked on some great shows, you know, like, um, uh, do you remember, like, she worked on, like, Blue Pizza and what was the one called? Swap Shop or Swap something. Shop, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Swap Shop, Top of the Pops. And so she loved it. But, yeah, she, in Hull, there wasn't, she just couldn't, there wasn't anything like that. And I think she she really struggled. She was just, you know, on benefits and we was living, you know, not particularly nice areas in sort of bedsits um quite arty areas of Hull but I think she was a bit depressed to be honest um in terms of yeah um what she was going to do and again trying back then trying to do something creative in in northern cities was in the 80s was I mean it's hard now because it was hard then but yeah she did it was it was and it was fascinating really watching her I mean she she couldn't afford to, she she took me to school on the bus, but she couldn't afford to get the bus back. So she used to just wait in a cafe and with a, a notepad and just listen to people's conversations wow. um, and then pick me up from school and we'd go back together. Uh, so, yeah, it was um, it was an amazing time for her. I just remember she had she bought the same notebooks, the ring band of notebooks, and I watched them pile up and pile up. It was just <laughs> loads of script, you know, just she did it all by hand. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, and she really did, you know, sort of single-handedly sort of, and eventually went on and wrote a lot of radio plays. And But she she slipped up. She just got a, a writing commission. I think it was Band of Gold. Um, do you remember the Camilla? And she slipped all her discs in her back apart oh. from one. She was paralysed from the neck down. Oh, and wow. she was in a on traction in hospital for a year and then in a plaster cast. Oh, God. And... I was almost like a, a, a carer, really, you mm. know. I used to walk on her back for her, I used to help her, the spine, her spine. She used to wake up just completely crooked with sciatic. It was just horrific. It mm. went on for years. And she wow. never got, 
he never got the TV career back again. She did radio sort of sustained her, but radio pays so little. And yeah, she just never felt like she's had a crack at proper crack at the whip, my mum. It's been such a shame, you know. She's so talented, but has not really been able to ever make it earn enough money from it really but she's she's in a happy place with it now she's back doing she's been in our sitcom meet the richardsons and she's been amazing in it and she's back doing pub theater in hull like as we speak um and i think she's liking sort of the grassroots level of it you know and i said oh why don't you go put it on a theater she's like no this it's for pubs and uh so it's yeah it's 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 been fascinating really watching her try and make just make ends meet you know it's um it's been an impossible task at times but she she found out she was autistic um and so struggles with things you know um yeah very intelligent incredibly empathetic but struggles sometimes socially and and connecting with things and 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 so a lot of things make sense you know of of Mm. why it's been such a battle um, you know what she's one of many middle-aged women who in COVID had the time well we both had the time I told her to go get it done uh, you know get the diagnosis but I think that happened to a lot of people so it's been a mad old life for her really and, and an incredible to be a daughter and you know it was it wasn't always easy to be honest it was you know quite could be quite hard childhood at times but equally has given me sort of um yeah, I, don't, I think I'm quite got a sort of quite tough skin yeah. <laughs> and quite ambitious as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know someone else that had a had a late uh, late um, autism diagnosis uh, recently, and it answered a lot of questions, a lot of questions for her, and it was um, yeah, big moment. Um, but your your mum sounds really inspiring. Like, I, I really, uh, I really, I felt quite inspired listening to you talk to her. Then she sounds like a really sort of really inspiring person. Oh, incredible. Yeah, incredible. And I think it's just sort of like that single parent child mm. relationship. It's it's quite intense. It's mm. sort of like you I've got a dad, my dad so like my dad, but you know, my dad sort of continued to sort of work in London and then he became a lecturer and he, he worked um teaching film. Um but we, we never sort of lived together or you know, um but he was there, you know. Um but yeah, it was like me and my mum against the world sort of thing. And now I say it a lot, but in in single parent families, you you play all the roles. It's not like those roles don't exist. You're sometimes siblings, and you're sometimes like a married couple. Yeah. And you you still play all the. It's it's weird, and and it's so intense, and it's such a strong bond, and you end up sort of. I feel almost like the same person as my mum. It's a very weird because it's there's no there's no one else there. <laughs> you know what I mean? You 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 take the hit for every mood each other are in yeah i have to i have to admit I, so my wife is a is a um was an only child and then her dad passed away 11 12 years ago so when she was in her mid-20s and so she lived with her mum for quite a bit and we now live with her mum as well and as someone that's got two kids a wife and a mother-in-law i don't know how single parents do it i, I think they're genuine superheroes because i just don't understand I find it so hard and we literally yeah. have help here with us and I just don't know how they do it. I think it might, it must be a very difficult job. Well, they just haven't got a choice. <laughs> no. What do you do? You know, my mum had a lot of support. I spent a lot of time with my granny and granddad really and they were as just as inspirational. They were 
you know, from like a very sort of quite deprived working class area of of Hull, Hazel Road, and both their dads were fishermen. And um, my granddad managed to not go to sea because it was when I think it was a Labour government introduced it, um, you know, where they wanted to get more people from working class backgrounds into teaching. So they both were able to go and train. They both were just naturally, you know, very good artists Mm -hmm. and um, were allowed to go and train at uni and become art teachers. And my granddad said about going to elocution lessons and stuff to try and knock out his... (laughs) Is is whole accent, and they both did it at night classes. I think they already had the you know the kids kids early. They were sort of they had the mum at nineteen, um, but yeah, and, and that's that changed our family. That one policy, my granddad would have gone to sea, and my granny would have stayed at home and looked after kids. And I don't know. I don't maybe they wouldn't have raised three. You know, my my mum's brother went was a went on to be a nurse and. My mum's sister was a teacher. Obviously, my mum's been been a playwright. But I wonder, you know, if 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 they hadn't been allowed to go to university, my my granddad was ready to go to sea, and then that that collapsed anyway in the seventies. Um, so he wouldn't have been able to do that. It's mad, isn't it? When you think I wouldn't maybe have been in, I wouldn't maybe I don't know. You just don't know, do you? So slightly um, dull moments, isn't it? Yeah, they would have stayed. My mum, the brought my mum up on Greatfield Estate. I think you know, would they have even got out the council estate? You know, the the move. My granny and granddad moved to like a lovely village in East Riding, just outside of Hull, and sort of kept on to the roots of, you know, because um, Hazel Road was like it's hard to it, it would take too long to explain, but it was quite a special place, really, because everyone who lived there was just to, involved in you know fishing really um so it sounds you know quite an idyllic <laughs> quite idyllic place really but yeah yeah funny one policy <laughs> mm. yeah it's funny how those things happen like I say like a sort of serendipity there of some of some sort um it's also that lovely to hear about like people having a good relationship with their grandparents because I was pretty much I, I lost my mum at an early age and um, my dad was um, not particularly great. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and my granddad was also, um, he was an en- he was a more technical kind of artist. He did like engineering and stuff. But I remember that same thing, like being encouraged to sort of do art and, you know, express myself through, you know, being creative. My, similar to your um, grandmother, like my nan was a seamstress. So she did lots of, she was always like doing sewing and creating stuff and then like cooking as well was a big part of our lives you know so doing lots of cooking and being involved so it's really lovely that kind of relationship you can have with your grandparents and um it's i guess something that sometimes gets forgotten about these days really the the impact our grandparents have on us yeah oh definitely yeah especially if you like like it's mad like my friends have got parents the same age as my my granddad you know, and you think, oh, because you, yeah, they had my mum early, and then my mum had me fairly early. So, yeah, in, in those type of families, it's amazing. You know, I've got friends in Hull. You know, they've sort of like got great grandchildren. You know, and they're they're, they're not that old. You know, but it means they've got the time with them, yeah. haven't they, and the energy. Um, there's something to be said for that. That's probably not going to happen <laughs> with, with us. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I I meet, there's a few people I meet and sometimes I've 
I've ended up saying, did you spend a lot of time with your grandparents? Because I think you can get like almost like an old fashioned quality to you. And like they chilled me out, you know, yeah. things were quite chaotic at home. But when I went there, just with them being older, you know, the yeah, I think it can be spe- quite special. I don't think I'd be the same without without them, really. Yeah, absolutely the same. I think lots of profound moments with particularly my grandmother because um, my maternal grandmother she was very calm and gentle and it was it was it, Jim likes to do a football analogy on this podcast quite a lot it was like a manager <laughs> who put his arm around you as opposed yes. to someone someone doing the uh, hair dryer treatment you know so she was always yeah. very calming and caring and you know very homely um but yeah just would kind of like not you know take you on face value and like whatever you did like you would there was all be a chance to sort of express yourself and talk about it um you know and, it, and like you say maybe because they had more time it was it was easy to do that but yeah I have very very fond memories of spending time with grandparents and definitely kind Aww. of instilled a lot of who I am today is from from them rather than actually from from my dad or mum actually yeah Oh, I'm sorry. And your mum died when you were young, did you say? Yeah, yeah. She died of leukemia when I was six. So, oh my yeah. god! So yes, yeah, so it was a it was a it was a weird old time. But you know, you get you you, you just learn oh. to live as life is like that, isn't it? Like you just kind of that's you know that's all you know, isn't it? You you um I lost my dad when I was twenty as well. So oh like god. um it's just yeah, it's just kind of been part of who I am. And like you said earlier, those kind of things. What would I be? doing creative things now if if you know, my parents are still alive maybe not like I think some of that creativity has been spawned out of you know probably moments of trauma and stuff um yeah. so yeah so it's interesting to sort of think about those things oh um, what an age uh, that's yeah that's that's a tender age that to lose your mum I'm so sorry oh no don't worry no, don't worry I, um... I do think so so Lucy I've known Giles for a while and he's he's a fantastic dad he's he's absolutely oh. brilliant but but actually listening to this conversation I my prediction is and I know Giles is going to be a brilliant granddad oh yeah definitely I definitely think you're going to be and you will be the one that will be encouraging your grandkids to be creative and be themselves let's start a podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh my god a podcast with your grandkid that's a great that's a good idea actually yeah Yeah. I'm I'm putting that in now um (laughs) but yeah let's go back to the the um the performing stuff so you you said you did a bit at second you did some at secondary school but then I did play at um primary school in year oh, six okay. again I'd, perhaps I think because of my mum I would have maybe got into it but it it almost like changed my, my little life <laughs> it was a really good uh, we moved we moved from a, a, a well I loved it we moved from an area in Hull where it was it was get it was getting rough it, I mean, it was spring bank anyone who's listening will know, will know you know um, and we, we moved to Hesel, which was more of a, it was seen as sort of quite working class, but it was seen as you, a step up from from Hull, you know, um, and the schools were were, were, be- were definitely better. And um, and I went to a lovely primary school and in year six, he, he was called Mr. Partius. He was incredible. He, he was almost quite a Victorian headmaster, but again, had this thing about the children and the arts and it was his passion classical music was his passion and he would make 
each child listened to classical music every day. Um, you'd have to take a bit of time out of your lesson and come and listen in headphones, listen to amazing. And and he used to put on a, a play um, in year six and just, just with the year sixes and he, they, they spent quite a bit of money on the set and stuff. And we did a play called Water Babies and I've, I played, he, he gave me the part of Tom and it felt such an honour and responsibility, you know, of like getting this main part, you know, and, and it was, a, it was a, I don't know whether... I don't know whether it was also my, my granny was dying at the time and I think he knew how close we were you know because I'd lived with her till I was sort of five and six and she she felt like a mum as my mum felt like a mum but sometimes when we were all together my mum was like a big sister and my granny was my mum yeah. if that makes sense yeah totally yeah um, and it, and yeah she was dying at the time and yeah it was a it was amazing to to, to do this role, I pretended I had to be a chimney sweep. And then my mum, when, when anyone got, she kept the costume. And when anyone got married, she used to take me along and as a chimney sweep to give them good luck. <laughs> it was like renting me out. I don't think she got paid for it, but um, it used to drive me mad. Just, Come on, get it on again. Like, no, not again. <laughs> but it did, it, it it stayed with me and it was I felt you know I got the bug I really got the bug and that was it then I want I wanted to be an actor from from that moment on it's amazing how these um these mentors pop up in our in our life you're saying that the the head teacher there Mr Mr Porteous whatever is yeah and these people that can again Giles talking about little sliding doors moments that can just help push you towards or open up a door for you or even just make you think about life in a different way it clearly sounds like he was at quite a young age yeah I can't even picture his face isn't that terrible I can't exactly I can he was tall but I can't really picture his features but I could but what he's gave me has stayed with me amazing yeah that's cool that you played yeah. classical music to you like every day did you say that you do that yeah, he would. Uh, so there'd be a rotation. So yeah, so it would not like every child every yeah. day. Sorry, but yeah, he yeah. would. Every, every child every so often had to come and listen to to music, and he would he would teach you about it, give you sort of an education on classical music. Yeah, I can imagine that being Maybe. quite quite nice, like just a bit of almost meditative kind of calm down. Just before you start kind of doing your work, they should. Do, I think that should be uh, that should be a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he'd play it in the morning when you went into school. He'd play it in the um assembly as you was walking in and out of assembly, and because uh, it was a Church of England school, like there was always a pianist, you know, and we'd sing. Yeah. Um, you know, sing hymns and I'd yeah I I worked in schools and I used to just instantly start crying whenever children sing. <laughs> I think it's the most incredible thing in life. Children singing together. Did it's you so beautiful? Did you sing those songs like "Cross Over the Road, My Friend" and yeah, got the whole oh, world in yeah. his hand well, and all those. <laughs> oh yeah, well Manford does that brilliantly. He does, yes, bangers. of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it, but they are out there. They're brilliant songs. Yeah, I did all them. Yeah, all because the... <laughs> I remember in our school we did um, the oil in my lamp song, whatever that one's called. Oh yeah, uh, they keep did like the... yeah, song. keep me burning, burning, burning. <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember like they they're being. I remember turning up once and 
there was like three part harmonies going on with the various different year groups. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. I was like, what the hell, what the fuck's going on? Like they've been really like taking it to the next level. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being Um, very spun out by that and thinking, why why have I not been involved in this? Uh, This like pimping up of uh, give me all in my lamp. Oh yeah. Is that I always have got this memory of like I used to go to guitar club every week, but I wasn't allowed to play. I just watched it. I think they only had three guitars. Oh no! I think you had to wait. How cruel! One child like dropped dead, but you <laughs> went and watched, hoping that you'd pick up learning to play the guitar. Someone like, slipped on a banana or something. You get you get their guitar. I I was part of my primary school guitar club as well, and. We were learning green sleeves. I remember learning green sleeves. I was just fucking <laughs> awful. another classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh but like, but like oh, yeah. that's not a good one. No, it's terrible. Awful, one. <laughs> awful. And then um, I remember the, I remember the the teacher said, "Oh, our, your guitar sounds out of tune. I'll tune it up," and uh, and then was just turning the the tuning peg over and over and over again until the whole thing just snapped all the whole oh, of the God. headstock snapped and they went oh i think i might have overtuned it, it <laughs> like no shit no shit sherlock that <laughs> <laughs> sounds like your teacher was going through some things i think oh totally i think green sleeves have definitely taken its toll like over and over again <laughs> yeah i'll go tune your guitar as well and yours and yours <laughs> tune all the fucking guitars <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i remember doing they in Bad Moon Rising, they taught, they taught them Bad Moon Rising and it took them ages, absolutely ages. And then they did it in assembly and one of the girls, she was a girl, and she, but she had a fit about three or four times a day and she started fitting in front of him on the front row and he was going, carry on, keep going. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Horrendous. fitting on the floor next to him. Were you th- got it, you got it, keep going. <laughs> were, you, were you thinking, oh, good, I, oh, look, I, this is my chance. I can sweep up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I'm coming on. This is my substitute moment. <laughs> oh, so did you pick? Did you pick up any of the guitar skills then, Lucy? Did you? Did you? Did it work? No, Osmosis? Can't just by watching. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, <too. laughs> no, I didn't. I thought I knew the answer as I was saying it, really, but yeah, shame. Yeah, but I do want to. Last year, I said to John, "I'm going to quit everything and I'm just going to learn the guitar, and then I'm just going to be a singer now." <laughs> I'm just gonna give it all up and write songs. And then I just never did it. I bought a guitar and just but never learned to play it. Oh, I so went you... and got ple- plectrums. Nice, okay. Them. Have you got what kind of was it an acoustic guitar? Um it's one from Argos. <laughs> <laughs> I might the first guitar <laughs> that I, classic brand. Well, no, see I, I, don't don't knock it, Jim, because the first guitar I ever bought was um it was called an encore and it was from argus it was 80 pounds and it was 80 pounds too much to be quite frank because it was it was it was shit it was awful really awful um and i think it impaired the first couple of years of me playing to be honest um oh really because you thought it was you i thought it was me but it was the guitar could you play green sleeves on it? Did you try? <laughs> I, I tried. I tell you what, I did try. <laughs> Even that did. <laughs> yeah, 
even that didn't sound great. No, it was just a really bad guitar. I mean, it was the action on it was awful. So the strings were like miles away from the fretboard and it was just really oh, hard nice. to play. And I was trying to learn. Um, I remember buying a tab book for Smells Like Teen Spirit um, oh. for Nevermind and then trying to play power chords on it was just horrendous. Um, <laughs> I stuck with it, though. But there's nothing wrong with Argus. Um, they do some, they probably do quite good guitars now. Oh, oh, not. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, Fender's not using them as a way to distribute his hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> so That'd is it an acoustic guitar, though, or is it an electric guitar? Yeah, yeah, it's a, I think so. Yeah, yeah it's an acoustic one. Yeah. I, it, I think it's a child's one because I've, I've, I've only got, I've got really small arms and fingers. So it's like a smaller you know. scale, is it? Yeah, I, I did violin in school, but like... Is it a ukulele? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm beginning to think that it might be a ukulele. Child's guitar, yeah. But I had this little violin, and it's um because my arm was so small in school, I could, they only could find this like antique, um, bit like Victorian one. Um, oh, okay. And it must have belonged to a dead child, like now, a lute. You know, like it's like really weird, and it and it had like tiny bow with you know made of horse hair that. And it would made such an awful sound that my mum, my mum gave it back to school. She she marched it back up to school. <laughs> yeah. Have you thought about other instruments, maybe that I don't just, require long arms? No, I don't because I've only got little lungs. I can't do sax, and because mm. I've got tiny fingers, like in the I haven't got piano fingers. Um, you know, and yeah, guitars obviously like double bass is out. A flute, yeah. I find weird, those wind instruments. I just <coughs> think they belong me. to pixies, really. I, I'm, they do. They do. What, what about, I'm thinking xylophone? Xylophone. <clears throat> yeah, I've got one of them. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've tried that. I'm not. Yeah, it's, it's harder than it looks, isn't it? It is. I, I don't know, I've never we, tried it. We had a child's one, like it was a um, little tykes one, I think. And... Um, I could play the East Enders theme tune on it. That was the only thing. It's like do 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 do. That was the only thing I could play on it. That took that took quite a few hours of like working out the notes. <laughs> oh, I did. We've got a piano. I did chopsticks on it for my daughter, and she, you know, I did my like like you know, we cross your hands yeah. and do, 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 like that. She was so impressed. I fear she was just like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that? It was amazing. Yeah, She's my really mum's magical. She can like cross her hands over and. Yeah. <laughs> well, stick with the guitar because it's a great instrument. I have to say, um, still playing it myself, yeah, really. and I think yeah, if you can stick yeah, with it, you can do like YouTube videos and stuff, can't you? I'm sure there's YouTube videos where people are sort of teaching guitar and stuff. Because I taught myself guitar. I'm not very good, but I can do like the bar, you know, the bar chords and stuff. It looks it looks cooler than than it sounds, but um, yeah. it is. If I can do it, anyone can. It is, it's do it is doable. Well, it's the ten thousand hours thing, isn't it? You just got to dedicate ten thousand hours to it, and then that's be, quite a lot of hours. Though, yeah, it is a lot of hours. But then, if you want to be a virtuoso guitar player, then you know you got to put I in really there. Yeah, then yeah. Like, yeah. So you can start today by putting one hour in, maybe, and then you just got nine thousand nine hundred ninety to go. Yeah, you can do it like that. Like a count, do a countdown. A countdown, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many years that is. How many years is an hour? It's 
You have to work it out now. How many years? It's a lot, is... it's a lot isn't it? It is, isn't it? Well, that's ten thousand days, Charles. So that's a lot. Well, yeah. if you did an hour a day, it would be yeah. But you could do more than an hour a day, couldn't you? Yeah. Oh, I guess you could. Yeah. yeah. You could. You could. You could do eight. You maybe. did ten hours a day for a thousand days. Yeah. A thousand Ready days. For the grandkids. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the time, <laughs> Granddad's amazing. Granddad's <laughs> shredding his guitar. It's like he's like Slash. Yeah, on his deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> uh so you've let's let's keep going with this um because obviously the acting was became a big thing and you did did you do performing arts or anything at like uni was that i did i did um i went and i did i did uh i couldn't wait to leave school and i went and to sixth form college and did performing arts and it was the best two years of my life i just absolutely a place called white college i just Oh, I just loved it. I just, they didn't care if you were there or not. And you just, it was just messing about. And um, we had such a, a teacher, Richard Green, who was just so f- funny and didn't take anything seriously, uh, but I managed to get the VTech. And then um, luckily for me, whole college have a thing because their founder, um, uh, Thomas Ferrins, when he, when he gave the money for, for Hull University said you have to let someone from Hull in who doesn't necessarily have the have the grades and so luckily hundreds of years later that was me <laughs> um, and uh, yes yeah, so I managed to get into and do a degree without any points or doing any A-levels and it was that was the hardest <laughs> years of my life I made some good friends but oh god it was yeah it was I didn't find it my, my friend being with friends and making productions was amazing but the rest was incredibly stressful and, and difficult and I felt like a fish out of water really and you know now I think there is the support for students that are struggling but back then there, there wasn't you know mm. and I, I hadn't you know I hadn't done anything to a A-level standard so I was suddenly having to to compete with people who, who had done three A-levels you know but yeah, but we did, we did, we had some amazing, they were just, they were amazing students, some really talented students and learned a lot. And yeah, so from there went and did, um, so I did, did all sorts really after uni. I, um, we set up a theatre company and we did, we did that for a bit. And then I went into to teaching really. I did, um, I worked as a youth um, sort of um, a, a youth theatre teacher and worked in, youth organisations, worked in behavioural units, um, outreach centres, um, worked with children in care, survivors of domestic abuse, worked in prisons. I did all sorts. Um, and it was, you know, really it was to try and jobs that I could put down for auditions. Um, but it, the auditions got less and less and I sort of did less acting and did more sort of community work, really, which... I'm so grateful for because I feel like I have a, I, and it's the training as well. I felt like I had an understanding of people really, mm-hmm. and especially people in deprived communities and the challenges. And I think, I think it's, I think if someone hasn't had any experience of it or, you know, doesn't read certain papers that try 
to highlight issues I think it's very hard to understand um how how someone um you know how the pressures really and how it's so hard to get yourself out of of um a certain situation so it's I, I was really chuffed I felt like my dreams of being an actor was fading away I just I was never I was back in Hull and I mean I used to jump trains and everything I'd I'd maybe I'd been working like you know and sort of quite a tough school for ages and then get an audition and be like oh this is it you know this is my ticket to getting out of this you know and you because I'm not on a lot of money couldn't never go on holidays and go on, you know my friends were going to watch concerts and because I was only on about 11 grand a year um so so the the auditions were like I was riding on it and then they'd say we want you tomorrow and I'd look and it would be like 120 pound for a train ticket down there yeah I was like, so I used to just have to jump trains. I just became an absolute pro. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other way I could do it. Did you sit in the toilet? Because that's what we used to do when we were kids, sit in the toilet. Mm. But then sometimes the guard would knock on the door and you'd be like, oh, shit, I'm going to get. I I like, because it it would sort of be only like four different. I I learned which would work with which ticket inspector. Um, when it was men, the best one really was just having a box of tampons and just putting them all over the seat next to me. <laughs> um, they just, they turn up and they just couldn't bear being <laughs> near a sanitary product. <laughs> and I'd look through my bag and be like, it's here somewhere. It's <laughs> on my period. And then they go, you okay, love, I'll come back in a minute. And yeah. then they would just never come back. Just <laughs> that was the best one. That's genius. That the best. But what it did all those years was it was help building material. I just, yeah. I, I've all, you know, I've always liked having a laugh. But I was tending to go. I had a great social life, and we hung around with in a sort of like um, we were sort of musers. We was in a sort of a music indie scene, and I was finding I was going out and almost testing material out on people so something funny had happened and then I'd go tell one group of people in the pub and then I'd sort of see what got the laughs and how to perfect it and then go to another group and there wasn't comedy clubs you know if I had been in London I maybe would have started doing stand-up earlier and going around the clubs but there wasn't but I was doing it you know I was just doing it so sort of like people I knew in pubs really um which you know and they were all funny as well so you'd I'd, I'd, I was getting a lot of material without realizing it. Um, yeah, you were doing sort of your own your own open mic scene, basically. Well, just not having a lot of money and trying to do things creates quite funny. <laughs> There's always I was like living in a sitcom. It was like some others do have them most of the time. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. So when did you when did you start doing? When did you start thinking? Actually, I've got enough material here, or I've got enough you know, to go on to actually start doing gigs and stuff? When I'd had, I'd had, like, it felt like I'd had just this week of, I think on the same week, I'd gone I'd gone to London for an audition and then I'd ran out of money, but I'd got there four hours early. Because <laughs> I'd got the <laughs> Megabus down, but they were only one twice a day, you know. So my audition went to, like, one o'clock and I was down at, like, eight foot or something. <laughs> and I was down so early. And so I just, like, needed things to do to occupy myself. And I went in um <laughs> I went in a bike shop and they were giving them 
test drives on because they're just out the new the electric bikes at the time oh right and so he put me on an electric bike he was like come back in an hour and he was like it'll run out in an hour <laughs> and so I just get, I couldn't get off it I couldn't stop it. it was so high up and I didn't want to tell him it's too high the seat's too high for me and I was worried about stopping and falling so I just kept on it for an hour <laughs> and I just kept going round and round this building but I didn't realize the building I was going round it was where they were doing the auditions and apparently they were getting really oh, pissed no. off that there was just this woman going round and round on a bike, <laughs> putting them all off. So when I went in for the audition, the director was like, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> You've sabotaged <Woman>. everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it looked like I was trying to psych them out, but I didn't know. I didn't know they were there. And then I'd been on a train and fallen asleep and a gang of youths had got on and the they parted a chocolate wagon wheel and stuck it to my forehead. And I woke up and I didn't know what I didn't know what had happened, why I had this. And then the and then that's when that crow landed on my head. And and that so those formed the basis of my routine. I I thought, right, I've got it wasn't really stand-up, it was just some funny stories that had happened. But I was just like, I've got to try this out. You know, it might this might be a way, you know, because the acting wasn't. I just wasn't earning any money from it. Um, and it was at that funny stage where all, because it, it was the recession, all the theatres were shutting. So, yeah, so I did. I tried it out. Um, lot of sort of late 20, late, I think I was about 28, 29. Yeah. And then, and then got a bit of a following in Hull because Johnny Vegas came and did a gig with me. And that was it then. Once Johnny Vegas, once I'd had Johnny Vegas's seal of approval, people in Hull sort of, sort of oh, maybe she's, maybe women can be a, a little bit amusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sort of legitimised you somehow. Yeah. yeah. And am that I right, you it. did some stuff with um, Jeremy Dyson? Yeah, he was my mentor. Yeah, I did a, a, a BBC were trying to find um, female Northern playwrights. So they, they, um, yeah, they did, a, they did a, a, like a, a mentor scheme, but then didn't commission any of us anyway. Oh, yeah. I know, did didn't get through, but yeah, Jeremy Dyson mentored me. It was amazing. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, incredible, incredible scheme. Um, yeah, and he was a wonderful guy. Yeah, he really great yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, can oh, we say friend of the course. podcast? He's been, he's been on. Um, As yeah, is, yeah, 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 and, and he's, yeah, no, he is. Right. I remember there being lots of lots of words of wisdom, like a very kind of very um, very smart individual, and yeah, just just a nice person as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really smart and very humble, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and has obviously yeah. done some amazing things. What were those first kind of comedy gigs like then? How did you get on? Were they? Was it a bit of a baptism on fire, or did you think, oh, they this is a piece well. of piss? Well, the, I did I did a five minute in Camden and I got it, it was really sunny and they had all the windows open upstairs and I went and I got to the stage and got to the mic and a car horn went off outside and it sounded like I'd made it with my with my, with my mouth and they, <laughs> they gave me a round of applause <laughs> just the timing I went <laughs> like that and it, do it again do it again got, like, like that guy from like that guy from Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it came from me. 
They didn't realize it. <laughs> what other, what other sounds is she going to do? <laughs> <laughs> but it like, I think if I hadn't got that, like, it was almost like a standing ovation. <laughs> if I hadn't got that, like, they just erupted. I was like, oh, my God. I think I'm the next Richard Cryer. <laughs> I'm gonna... That's incredible. <laughs> and, uh, and then, but then, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, so then I'd entered a competition. Um, so, my, like, it was my second gig, really. I sort of don't count that because it was only five minutes, but the, my first proper gig was the, was the first heat of So You Think You're Funny. And then my, my third gig was the final so it was it was really mad. I hadn't just hadn't I just didn't even know what stand up was, to be honest. I, I, I had a Billy Connolly video and an Eddie Izzard video, but I hadn't seen live stand up because just where I was living, just didn't see it. But I but Sarah Millican was on the TV and I thought, well, maybe you know, she can do it. And I, the first female comic I'd seen that, I thought, you're not, you know, you're not dissimilar, you yeah. know. Um you're regional you know and you're northeast so yeah so I carried on like that really but I didn't know what I was doing and my material wasn't like most people's stand-up material it was just start I didn't know the craft of it really I, st- I don't know whether I still do um but I just yeah that that buzz of making people laugh you know um I was very alternative then I, I then I had the stooge so I used to go around pubs and I had this guy who was about six foot four and he was a big, big guy. And he was just mute. He just carried it. He had the same handbag as me and he just stood behind me. And I, I didn't think he was doing anything, but apparently he was. He was showing off behind me. Oh, really? Yeah, he was He was mimicking me and that's what they were laughing at. And I thought they were laughing at me. We'd gone on about six months before I turned around and realised. I thought he was just stood there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't um but yeah but I did I got the bug really and it, it just I, it just felt like now or never like my 30s was looming and I just thought I've got to start any money and it's it, the acting's not working and I'm just I was struggling with the, the teaching I was finding hard you know and the curriculum had been messed up because I was going to go into teaching full-time and go and get my degree and I just, I cared about the kids and, um, but I found it hard, you know, it was hard working with children with autism that when there wasn't set up properly in mainstream, there wasn't money there. And it was hard working with kids in care, um, you know, when you just, again, the provisions weren't there. Um, yeah, so I, I desperately wanted to get into, you know, do something creative where I could earn money so I didn't have a choice and I, I really just threw myself into the comedy um yeah and just tried to gig every night and keep going really moved to London and lived in a bed sitting yeah just kept just kept going till I earned money but it was just so hard because of the misogyny it was incredibly hard to get gigs if they'd booked a woman that month they didn't want another one you know um Mad, mad now the difference when you think most bills have a woman on. But back then it was just, they would apologise, you know. The, the compare would go on and say, I'm really sorry, it's a woman now. Um, it's mad. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it's not, and not yeah. that long ago either as well. And, and, and yeah. um, 2010. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolute madness. 
and even now you still see a lot of lineups that are all white blokes <laughs> it is i think it is getting better but i think there's still a long way a long I way think to go now i think people actively look for diverse bills i think it is different i think because it's been called out so much um but yeah it's it's, it's a different culture like you you the audiences are embarrassed when a woman comes on stage. They used to be embarrassed. Um, they used to look away. It was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. When you think I'm trying to end at this, you know, this is my job. Yeah. You're not. You're not even giving me a chance. You just think because I don't look like Michael McIntyre. You just presume it's just pure sexism from women as well. It wasn't men. It wasn't just men. But yeah. But it it changed. You know, it's massively changed. So thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. There was, I remember there was a comic that I used to gig with in the early days called Jenny Collier, and she, I think it was a Mirth gig, and she got an email before the gig saying, "I'm so sorry, but we've already got a woman on the bill, so yeah, we can't have you this this week." <laughs> and then she tweeted about it, and it it became a big story. And yes. hopefully, hopefully, was one of the reasons that maybe helped change things I think slightly I remember that yeah yeah but Matt isn't that mad and that would have been 2015 2014 right so that, that's even lit yeah yeah mm. that's yeah oh yeah yeah well it but it, but it but it was because the punters were saying that they didn't find the women funny so that's why you know um you'd get up and go to the toilet but yeah it's change but you, I think it, it's and as well it's a lot to do with like there's just been some incredible female comics on tv who've been so bulletproof and not nervous and have held their own that it sort of opened the floodgates really um yeah well you are one of them yeah. you know and, and the stuff the oh, stuff that you well, do on tv I don't count is myself as one of them no i'm well, just i'm sort of feel, feel like this this last year um like last year was the first year i, I thought i was starting to 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 sort of be better on shows and not be like a rabbit in a headlights, but and that that's on it, you know, on, honest honestly. But it's because it takes a long time. It takes ten. I, I, I'm I, I'm in awe of like newbies that come along and they've they've only been going a couple of years and they're, they're just absolutely. I've never you know they're just so calm, so confident. It's like that's just wasn't me. It's taken me years, you know, to have confidence. Um, but luckily, I've been kept giving opportunities, you know, um, that you can do a show and not be very good on it, and then someone else will still take a will still will still take a hit. On That's you know, thank God for that as well. <laughs> but it's a, but it's a. I do think there's something about um, being a bit older sometimes. Yeah. But also, it's a perception thing because you might think I wasn't very good on that. But your perception of how you are perceived versus how the world perceives you can be very different. Someone else is probably thinking, oh, she was great on that. I'll book her for something else. But just because you think you weren't very good doesn't necessarily mean that was the case. Yeah, but you've got Twitter now, don't you? Yeah. People love love telling you. But Twitter's not real. Twitter's, it's... Yeah, I don't mind. I sort of, yeah, I know. It is a little bit, uh, it is a little bit. I, if, if if someone says I'm shit and then I click on, on his profile, he's, <laughs> he's usually a man, a, an older man. If I click on his pro- profile and he's holding like a £12 car, I know I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> what he's doing. How he feels like I'm never going to get you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so true. Hate your mother, Stuart five four three two. Yeah, um, exactly. If he if he's got if he's got numbers in his matter. username, yeah, exactly. He's got users in his in his in his. Sorry, letters in his username. What all lives matter? Hashtag all lives matter in his bio, and he's holding a fish. Yeah, <laughs> it's Lawrence matter. Fox, basically. It's okay. I wasn't yeah. going to say that name. I wasn't going to say that name earlier, but um, <laughs> um, Lawrence Fox will never be invited on this podcast. Never. Um, oh God, no. Now, Lisa, I know your time's um, very precious, and uh, you've Sorry, got lots yes, of things I to do. do. I have no, to no. Go to a doctor's appointment. Yeah. Um, so it's been <laughs> so. <laughs> it's been so great to talk to you. It's been wonderful. Thank the, you. Yeah, the new um, the new tour, trouble the trouble and strife. That when does that start? October, um, October to December, um, we're putting some extra dates in as well. I think it might, some places might get, um, so, so that it, it probably will run after that. Um, if places people are looking uh, uh, full, the, 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 there should be some extra dates going in. But yeah, October till till December. Um, yeah, I can't wait. It's fair, it's my first pro- proper tour, really. And like you say, I, I do feel like I've got a lot to say. I'm 40 next year, and um, I mean, I'm dying to just tell people all the celebrity gossip I've heard, but <laughs> yeah. the, the amount of lawsuits I could go through, but it's so hard. It's I can't tell you how hard it is to not even tell you the things I've you know, if I could uh, just have heard so many and like incredible gossip where you think oh people need to know this <laughs> but, um, but yeah so yeah so I'm yeah and, and it's just gonna be a laugh for two hours really that's that's all it is <laughs> oh, that's, sounds amazing yeah and I'm um, trying to get to some dates if there's any down this way um best of luck with everything really appreciate you you coming on the pod today oh, thanks, so joy. thanks for having me oh, thanks Lucy it's been great Lucy Beaumont on the Blank Podcast. What a fantastic person. What, what a, I mean, just some lovely stories there. What a compassionate, kind person as well. And and uh, really enjoyed being in her company. Um, and I should say as well, I genuinely, and I know like we get a lot of people on the podcast and, and sometimes it's people that we've seen lots of their stuff, maybe not so much. I genuinely love her output. I think the, the mm. show, Meet the Richardsons is fantastic. The news show that her and John do, Odd Couples, which is like a sort of game showy thing on on uh, Channel Four is absolutely brilliant. So she is uh, not only is she a lovely person, but a really really fantastic performer as well. And it was really just nice to get to know her. This is one of those episodes where you felt like you're really getting to know yeah. someone and hear her story, um, which is fascinating. And so you know, peppered with funny little things that happened to her and anecdotes, and you can see how that really easily transitioned into stand up uh, and comedy. Yeah, yeah, you totally can actually. Yeah, very very funny anecdotes. But various different things. He's got a lovely way of looking at the world, and yeah. I liked that bit where she was saying she was kind of trying out material in the pub, sort of thing, like going to one set of people and then trying it out on another people. Maybe not like sort of consciously trying material out, but certainly like telling stories and storytelling is obviously a big part of her her comedy. Is yeah, yeah and, and and sort of seeing how people responded and uh, you know 
kind of yeah responded to her material it was just really really interesting to hear and that was uh i guess gave her the 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 courage and then and validation to sort of take it as a as a career move i think we all do that i mean i definitely do that i don't know if it maybe just a performer thing but i think we all do that sometimes sort of test bits out different we've got different groups that react to yeah. things differently and i think we all i certainly like i will find sometimes i will drop in bits i did i chatted someone the other day and i dropped in a bit that i'd sort of been working on and they instantly went that's new stand-up isn't it and i was like oh, damn, that <laughs> obvious? No. um but i think and actually there's a really nice what did it again mind this microphone um there's a really nice bit about why is my mic doing Weird, that? Isn't my, it? Mic, my mic is it's fine. Me. Fine, 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 fine. Then suddenly, very strange. Maybe it's too close to me. There you go, listeners. I'm not. I'm going to leave this in. By the way, to the edit. This, yeah, this yeah. is a little bit of a. You get a. You get a bit of an insight. Sometimes here there's the technical production. issues, and then we just can't do anything about them. This is a really good mic, but it, I, I think I wonder if it's actually my uh, my Zoom. Anyway, sorry, listeners. Um, there's a really anyway, good. Anyway, bit anyway, I, anyway, 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 Still doing it. Maybe I'll just stop talking. I'll do it really quickly and see if that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her mum came to creative writing and stuff later in life, and Lucy started stand up later in life, and now she's doing her first tour, getting towards the age of forty. I think there's something really nice about coming to stuff a bit later, and the fact that nothing's forever and nothing's off the table. Like you can come to, you can have a creative second life later on. I did. I didn't start stand up till twenty eight, mm. same age Lucy did, and I think like, and I'm now doing lots of performing career stuff. I never thought I'd do when I was mm. in my early twenties. So. it's a nice encouragement I think and she saw that from her mum growing up and I think it's a nice message to put out into the world that if you are someone that's done a certain job and maybe it wasn't for you and you've always yearned to do something else you can do it you know age isn't age isn't a barrier and I think that's a we didn't really talk about that but that was a nice kind of through story and arc I think to Lucy's story absolutely absolutely I totally agree man I think like as also like as creatives we're kind of having to be more more diverse this at the moment with regards to what we do so you know you're not just a you know for example you're not just a comedian you're also a video content editor you're you know you're a social media manager you're you know, you're running your own business as, as it were and so there's lots of different things that we have to kind of work on and do and I think it's really yeah it's really encouraging to hear someone like deciding to take something on later in life and i always love hearing stories about things like that where yeah someone yeah. The, you know we've had people on on the podcast before like callie beaton for example who's another brilliant female comedian who didn't start till much later you know i think she was might have even been nearer to sort of her late 30s maybe 40s before she it was of, 45 45 so there you go so, stand up yeah. yeah so like taking that sort of big leap and that's always really amazing that like you say it's never too late to change what you do it's never too late to try new things out you know it's um you know we talked to lucy about picking up the guitar and learning to play the guitar and uh you know it's never too late to to do those kind of things so i think if you've got something in within you that you want to express yourself doing then you know go for it completely agree um that's a really lovely sentiment to end the podcast on yeah i think as well um before my microphone starts trolling me again yeah yeah so check out lucy's tour link below for dates and stuff um and and we'll be back next week let us know your um nickname stories my mic is trolling me again so i'm going to wrap up really quickly and thanks for listening giles you can do the outro today because my mic is wanting to stop talking <laughs> but thanks to lucy and uh it's been a great episode giles over to you yeah thanks lucy it's been a fantastic episode um we'll see you all again next week or we won't see you though 
So, I mean, it's, it seems silly saying we'll see you all again next week. You'll hear from us again next week with another podcast. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can. We're on every social media network that sort of people of our age hang out on. So Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, yeah, you can contact us on at blank pod. It's the same on all three. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Like Jim says, your nickname stories and just what you think of the episodes. We always like love to hear your thoughts. You might even get your message read out on the podcast. Uh, and for the Patreon users, you can definitely get extra content on there. Our address for that is, uh, I don't know. Patreon.com slash Blank Podcast. Nice. Uh, uh, so thank you, Jim. Uh, I should probably learn that so that if we have these microphone issues again, I can I can step into the breach. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been the Blank Podcast, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Remember, Jim, don't get cancelled. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.